Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Hi folks, it's Halia. Today we're talking co-chairing of boards and committees, and you'll just be hearing from me. So... I've been a fan of job share for years, as long as it's done well. And I think that some of the principles of good job share can apply to boardroom roles, such as chairing the board or chairing committees. So today, I'm going to talk about some principles for co-chairing and then talk you through a live example when I was the co-chair of an organisation. My co-chair and I certainly didn't do it perfectly, but we did it. And so you can learn from what we did well and what we might have done differently if it's something that you want to explore for your board. Let's start with some principles of role sharing, whether it's job sharing or leadership roles in the board. First and foremost, choose the right partner. The people who will be sharing co-chairing should choose each other, not the board choosing for them. And you need to make sure it's somebody that you can work with. Secondly, decide how to slice and dice the role. Be clear on who is responsible for what. Thirdly, communicate, communicate, communicate. Don't leave things unspoken between you and your partner, nor between you and your key stakeholders, the CEO, the board, external parties. Make sure it's clear who is responsible for what and seek feedback on how it's going for everyone. There's also some other things that you would need to consider. You obviously need to get the support of the board and of key staff and stakeholders to make sure that this will work well. You'll also need to manage expectations and perceptions. You might also need to battle the bias to even get to having a shared role. So let me take you through my story of becoming a co-chair and I'll talk you through these principles as a framework in the case study. Firstly, some context. A few years ago, I got a call about joining the board of the Centre for Sustainability Leadership. This was an organisation that I had been interested in for years. 
I knew quite a bit about their work from alumni that I knew and other partners, and I knew that they did fantastic work. I'd already applied to join their board a couple of times, and I hadn't been successful as there hadn't been a strong enough match of skills, the skills that I had and the skills that they needed. So when I got a message to call Alex Graham, the chair of the board, I was a little bit glib. I planned to tell her, sure, I'll apply again, but it's my third time and, well, if I miss out this time, it's going to be three strikes and you're out. So I was unprepared when she said to me, Helia, we'd like you to apply for the role of chair. As I said, Alex was the current chair, but she wanted to step away from that role because she was about to have her second child. She wanted to stay on the board, but didn't have the capacity for the chair role. And no one else on the board wanted to take up the role. At this stage, I was only a couple of years into my own business, and I was also already on another board. I just didn't know if I had the capacity. And coming into a chair role from outside the organisation can make it even more challenging and take up more time. I told Alex that I had to think about it. So I thought about it long and hard. I really loved the work of the Centre for Sustainability Leadership and I wanted to be part of the organisation. I thought I had a good contribution to make. I'd already been on the board of a number of organisations, including some for-purpose organisations, and my work was, and is, in strategy and planning, governance and stakeholder engagement. I'd also undertaken similar leadership programs and knew the transformative nature of an immersive leadership program. I loved what CSL did, and I knew I could be of value to them. But I also knew that I couldn't take on something that I couldn't fully commit to. I'm sure you've heard me say before that my rule of thumb for a board role is about 15 hours a month, and a chair role is generally double that. I wasn't sure I had 30 hours a month, basically a day a week, when I was also building a fledgling business. So I started to wonder whether I could share the role with someone else. Having previously worked in the union movement in a predominantly women's white-collar union, I'd been a strong supporter of job share for our members for decades, and I'd even run a case about it in the Industrial Relations Commission many years before. So I knew some of the principles of what makes it work. I'd proposed co-chairing a committee at another board, and in that organisation, we'd interviewed job share applicants for the CEO role. Perhaps sharing the role could be the answer here. So using this as a case study and with that context in mind, let's go through the principles. First principle, choose the right partner. As soon as I landed on this idea, I started thinking about who. I landed on a person that I thought would be a great partner for the role. We had similar skills and some complementary skills, networks and experience. He was actually a client of mine, so we'd worked alongside each other on other things. The more I thought about it, the more I thought that if he was up for it, we could make it work. So, knowing that it's also important to have the support of the organisation, I rang Alex to see what she thought. Her response surprised me. Helia, I think the board would support that. And if you want to share the role, why don't we work together? Working with Alex had definite appeal. She was the current chair. She was an alumnus of the organisation she had the history and the in-organisation experience. She was also based in New South Wales, whilst I was in Victoria, 
So between the two of us, we covered the main geographical areas for the organisation. However, I hadn't actually met Alex before, so I didn't have any experience of working with her. So after talking about it a number of times, I flew to Sydney to meet her. It was kind of like a first date. Although, like all good first dates, we didn't just rely on our first date for our connection. We'd had a number of phone calls by this time too. So by the time we got to our first date, I was pretty confident that we'd be able to have a second and a third and maybe even work together. In that meeting, not only did we get to know each other better, but we talked through how we could work together and how we could share the responsibilities. Which brings me to principle two. Decide how to slice and dice the role. I wish I could find the piece of paper that we worked on to map out all of the responsibilities and how we'd share them, but it's now lost in time. However, we talked through all of the things, like who would chair the meetings, who would be the key contact for the CEO, who would be responsible for different parts of the board portfolio. We agreed that I would chair for the first three months while Alex had leave for the birth of her child, and after that we'd rotate the chairing of board meetings between us. We agreed that I would be the key contact for the CEO and that I would also be the key contact for finance, that we would share business development and that she would be the key contact for alumni and alumni relations. There was more on the list, but I just can't recall all of the details. The key thing for you to know if you're thinking about this is to make a list of everything and allocate what is yours, what is theirs and what is shared. Note that you won't necessarily follow the list, but if you have a list, it helps to know when things are changing and you can adjust as you go. We also talked through how we would communicate between ourselves. From memory, I think it was either weekly or fortnightly phone calls, at least in the early days, and then we could revert to longer time between drinks as we got more used to each other and how we work. We considered having a joint email account for us, but decided that wouldn't work and that we wouldn't need it if we had good communication otherwise. We thought that having a joint inbox might actually slow things down. In short, we worked through a lot. We thought about how we could make it work. So she went back to the board and got their agreement to the proposal. The board formally interviewed me and accepted my nomination and off we went. Now, I'd love to say that, you know, we just rode into the sunset and everything worked perfectly from there. But, well, I've got to admit, it didn't work anywhere near as neatly as our lovely little table of responsibilities and communication. For Alex, things at home after the birth of her second child were, well, a little more complex than she had anticipated. So it's fair to say that she had less time than she'd initially thought she'd have. Again, we communicated well. Alex actually wanted to step down from the co-chair role as she felt she wasn't pulling her weight. I asked her to stay on, knowing that she wasn't doing half the time, but for me, having an equal, trusted confidant for me as the relatively new person in the role of chair was invaluable. I could talk to her about things that you can't always share with somebody else who is, inverted commas, just on the board. And as a new person to the organisation... I probably had to spend more time anyway getting up to speed. So it wasn't just an equation about time spent. It was about sharing the responsibility 
and the weight of the role. She was doing the latter, that is responsibility and, and the weight on shoulders, even if she wasn't doing all of the former, that is time. So even though it didn't work as we had first expected or planned out, it worked. Another thing that made it work was that we were going through some challenges at the time. To be honest, it was a pretty tumultuous period. The Centre for Sustainability Leadership was just over 10 years old and this meant that some of the philanthropic support that we had enjoyed in our earlier years was starting to dry up as we just weren't as bright and shiny and new as we were when we started. And quite simply, we were not sustainable without that financial support, which is kind of ironic for the Centre for Sustainability Leadership. So we were on a transformation journey to a sustainable business model. Having Alex's direct experience and insights about the business, the alumni and the stakeholders during this period was absolutely invaluable. It was even more invaluable when we eventually went through the wind-up process. But that's a story for another podcast and one about why the end game for an organisation can actually be a positive experience. So for co-chairing, for us, it worked, even though it didn't work as expected. And it worked because we used the principles of having the right partner, agreeing on the roles and responsibilities, and re-agreeing when the initial plan didn't come to fruition, and always communicating well. It didn't always work perfectly, and it definitely didn't go according to plan, but it worked. So for me, I think sharing roles is a great option in governance. It might be chairing the board, like Alex and I did, or it might be about chairing a committee. It allows organisations to have access to complementary skills in leadership roles. And for volunteer roles, it can help to ensure that the time commitment is manageable. Although it must be said that co-chairing is not half the work. My guesstimate is that it's about 75%, as you can share the role, but you need to allocate additional time to communicate properly between you and your co-chair. For the organisation, it means they get to keep the incredible skills, experience and expertise of someone like Alex in the chair role when she's about to have a baby. That's good for everyone. We already know that equality and diversity in the boardroom is a good thing. So the more we can keep women in leadership through all the stages of their life is an excellent outcome for everyone. Now, sharing responsibility in these board leadership roles can come in a variety of guises. Other ways I've heard of this being done includes having someone chairing the finance committee and someone else as the treasurer. This isn't a formal job share arrangement, but it ensures that two people equally share the responsibility around finance. That means there's succession planning as well as it mitigates the key person risk if one of those people has to step down. I've also been involved in a board where we didn't get the support of the board for co-chairing. This was for a committee role and I and another board member proposed ourselves for, as co-chairs of a committee. At that stage, it wasn't supported by the board, although that was over 10 years ago now and I'd like to think it would be a different outcome today. That organisation certainly encouraged the sharing of roles as we'd interviewed job share CEOs around the same time. So, in summary... Co-chairing is awesome. We need more of it. It's more and more common at an operational level 
that is jobs within the organisation being shared and other flexibilities around roles. And we now need to explore flexibility in the boardroom too. I hope that sharing some of the principles here and the story of how we made it work helps you to think about how your organisation might be able to do this. Indeed, if your boardroom already has this type of arrangement, I would love to hear more about it. And I'm sure others in the Take On Board community would love to hear it too. So how about we continue this conversation over in the Take On Board community on both Facebook and LinkedIn. So that's it from me for this week. Thanks again for tuning in and for being part of the incredibly supportive and wise Take On Board community. I would love it if you could share this pod with someone you know and encourage them to subscribe to continue to hear these sorts of stories. Hi there, it's Halia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.